Hey, Jason Flallon here with a sad fact for you. If you're 100% ethical, if you're nice and only have the greatest intentions possible, and you become very successful in any significant way, guess what's going to happen? You are going to get hated. <laughs> you're going to get uh, vilified. You're going to be made a scapegoat, potentially. People are going to criticize you, often unfairly, and you're going to draw this sort of irkness that is never comfortable and it doesn't feel good. So I'm here to tell you today that I want you to be successful and part of being successful in a way that will actually increase your chances of success is anticipate the hatred in advance, prepare for the hatred in advance, be ready for it before it occurs. Because on an unconscious level, you know it's there. And if you try to pretend that there are no weeds in this garden, the weeds being the haters, they will overtake your garden, you'll never become successful. Now here is, it's important to understand why you're going to draw hatred even if you're 100% ethical. I think if you understand the why here, it's going to get rid of some of this friction that you're going to have. Like, oh my God, what if I do get criticized? Or what if I can't handle this criticism? Or is this criticism mean I'm doing something wrong? And so on and so forth. Uh, here's some of the reasons why you will be hated no matter what you do, even if you're 100% ethical. The first thing is you're disrupting the status quo. All excellence generally will disrupt something that isn't excellent. All excellence will disrupt the unexcellence, and the people that are merely good or above average are likely to be offended when somebody comes along and shows them what exceptional looks like. So the question to you is, do you want to be exceptional? If you don't, then you won't hurt anybody's feelings. But if you want to be exceptional, the people that are not exceptional, some of them will take offense. And so either they take offense and you're exceptional or they don't take offense and you're not exceptional. So you will be disruptive. You are going to be doing something that most others can't. And this is what's really frustrating is if most others have spent 20 years doing this thing and you come on in two months and do it better, that's going to create tension. That's going to create friction. That's going to create animosity. You're also going to create disruption in the sense of you're going to challenge either overtly or covertly. You're going to challenge norms. You're going to challenge schemas. You're going to challenge beliefs and you're going to challenge standards. And the funny thing about this is like every breakthrough ends up becoming standard itself. <laughs> so the thing that disrupts the thing becomes standard. This is just a function of innovation, but people, some people forget that and they think it's a character attack. Because they say, oh, my thing was disrupted. And so, oh, I'm now frustrated because this person is challenging my way of life. And there's two ways to respond to that. One is proactively, okay, what can I do about it uh, to assert myself? Or the other one's reactively, which is to say, that person's mean or that person is wrong or blah, 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 so I can justify my existence. And so challenging the existing standards is just a part of the way that the world works. And not everybody's clued into that. So you will make people feel inadequate because they're not clued on the fact that there's evolution here. Um, and then most people, as a result, will be reactive towards that. Um, we try to disrupt ourselves is the idea of, of real, true excellence here is I want to disrupt myself before you get a chance to disrupt me. That's a better code to live by. Uh, but most people ain't <laughs> gonna live by that, and you can spend your whole life hoping that they will, and they still aren't going to. Um, on a real practical level, you know, twenty percent of the market spends eighty percent of its dollars, and so they're looking for your breakthrough. 
and they're going to spend way more money than anybody else, and they're going to be the least price resistant and the most value-driven type of audience in the market. Now, guess what happens? You come on the scene and you start serving that market and you start charging five times as much for your product as the next person, and customers alike, as well as competitors, are going to be mad at you. Now, the flip side is also true. You find ways to make free, and that will make people really mad as well. But the answer is, what kind of people? Um, do you really care what your competitors think about you so much? Or do you care more what your customers feel about you? So if you're going to offend somebody, uh, pick and choose who you're going to offend. Now, I don't like to look at it that way. I always like to think about it more personally with who do I prioritize service towards? I would love to serve my contemporaries in my marketplace and my potential collaborators. Um, but my customers come before them. I would rather serve my customer than cut a backroom deal with a business partner. Uh, there's a lot of backroom deals that are being cut. And so when they bring me in on these backend deals and I'll say, well, how does it serve the customer? That's not something they want to hear. So pretty soon they don't bring me into these backroom deals. Uh, I would rather expose the darker sides of the industries to empower my customers to know the ways in which they're being taken advantage of than keeping those customers in the dark because the thought process is if you don't expose it to the customer, then you can use it on the customer. And I don't like that. It doesn't feel right to me. And so while everybody else is in most industries that I'm involved in, they're very complicit in some of the practices which are not pro-consumer. And they all kind of agree that we do not talk about these things in public. And then me, I go out there, la-di-da-di-da, here's how the industry works. I don't make a lot of fans. Uh, from my contemporaries, but I potentially get more customers as a result. And so these are some of the ways in which my priorities. Now, I want to make everybody happy. I want to make my contemporaries happy. I want to make my peers happy. I want to en enhance and increase potential collaborations across other people in this business. And I also want to empower my customers. But if it ever comes a situation where I can't do both, and there's often those situations, you're going to face them too. You've got to prioritize who you serve. And then that's going to create the people that are of lesser priority, the potential for them to have some, some kickback towards you or some animosity towards you. Now, there are two ways you can deal with this contempt. Um, one way is the common way, the most popular way. It's not my favorite way. I don't have any judgment against it. I just don't really use it. But it's, it's the obvious way, which is you turn it into a marketing tool. Um, and this is social media, part and parcel, where that, that outrageousness is more likely to be fed into the algorithm, which is more likely to get more views, which is more likely to get whoever's creating that outrage, whatever the result is that they're seeking, at least in the short term. And so the cycle continues over and over again. An us versus them type of framework is one of the most effective communications that you can use when it comes to getting attention. Is it uplifting? Uh, I don't know if every time we're uplifting somebody over here, it's because we're stepping on somebody over there. Not my way of going. And now maybe this is me being Pollyanna where I don't believe that there's this dichotomy of where it's like you're either with us or you're against us or either you know it or you don't know it. Either you're a success or you're a failure. I think the world's way more complicated than that. But if you can break it down to these false dichotomies or if you can use that controversy of everybody who hates me is an idiot. Uh, I mean, that's one of the ways to do it. Or the thing is, if everybody who hates me is wrong, eh, be careful there because some criticism is absolutely valid. Sometimes you are drawing hatred from the wrong sources, but sometimes you're just a dick. Uh, sometimes you need to have a little bit of a tune up. 
that's one of the reasons I don't like to lean too heavily into the whole using it purely as its own marketing device. Be very careful if you use that. It's extremely effective, but it also can put you into a false sense of who you are. And now it can harm you in the long term because you start to believe in some of the stuff that is going to inevitably create challenges for you. So this is one of the ways in which you can deal with the haters, so to speak. Uh, you can use it as a measuring stick or, hey, we got to break some eggs to make an omelet. And you can be very reactive in your approach. Well, they hate me. I'm going to respond back and I'm going to hate them even more than they hate me. Again, that's a normal course of way. It's not the one I'm going to recommend to you. The way I recommend that you deal with this that I think will enhance you professionally and more importantly, personally, is you accept inevitably that there's going to be some friction. You try to insulate yourself from most of it as you possibly can, uh, because you don't necessarily, if it doesn't serve you and it doesn't help you, then you shouldn't expose yourself to it. And so try to uh, insulate yourself from it, but don't limit yourself because you do need some of the feedback. You do need some of the communication that's two-way. You need to have some sort of insights that are occurring for you. Um, so the ways that in which I do this is I, I try to have more focus on who I serve, not, a, not, not my competition or not the people who are unlikely to be my customers. I don't want to intentionally go out there and make anybody's life miserable or attack anybody directly. It's not my style. But I say, who am I helping and what, do I, what am I saying that is helping them? How can I say more of that? If I surround myself with that, then I don't allow the rest of that stuff to get in. I also do have filters. And so I have communications with my team that this is the type of, of information that you should pass on to me. Uh, and if it's information that you view as critical feedback, that's positive, uh, but yet it's framed in a way from somebody that's coming at me from a very attacking perspective, filter it. What I mean by is strip out the ad homonyms and reduce it into something that's more clinical. Not from that person individually, but an observation of this is some of the feedback that's come in. Here are some of the ways that you may wanna focus on. Um, here's what you really should do though, is get a solid reason on your why. Uh, and that, that means clearing out the contradictive feelings. So a lot of people, they wanna grow and they wanna be successful, but they also feel guilty because, well, if I'm successful and I, and I get all these finances that come with that, all of this money, uh, then am I being greedy? And then they have this constant back and forth, this contradictive. And all of these cracks in your armor of, of yourself, uh, man, a crack can just be completely ripped open when somebody says you're greedy. And if you have that seed of yourself, that little doubt that says I'm greedy, and then somebody else comes and says it to you, boom, it can break the whole facade just like that. And so get very clear, any contradictive feelings you have, work them out privately. And so if that stuff gets to you, there's no cracks in the armor for it to sneak through. And then have a proactive approach too. Uh, how, how are you going to respond in a way that makes as many people better as possible if there is hatred or if there is criticism? So instead of being reactive to say, oh, you hate me, I'm going to hate you back, right? How do we turn hate into love? That's what I keep thinking about. How do I, how do I take the animosity and how do I turn it into alchemy in a way? that nobody's directly attacked, where anybody is able to feel inclusive, but without compromise of integrity. Most of us, we want, create, we want connection at the end of the day. Most of us, we want connection, we want inclusion, we want to make each other better. Sadly though, the world is too complicated to only have connection with everything that we do, to only have inclusion. You're going to pick up some people along the way who your, your vibe isn't their vibe. Uh, your frequency isn't their frequency. 
And so if you want to have a massive impact of overall massive connection or inclusion where otherwise it wouldn't exist, it's inevitable that you're going to create some dissension and some conflict along the way. You can't have one with the other, not at scale. So my final question to you is this, how can you be the most comfortable with this paradox as possible so you can move forward with boldness and also with sincerity and with caring? And I think if you do this, it's going to be much more easier for you to go out there and be big in the way that you're designed to be big, knowing that there's going to be some friction along the way. But hey, you're already ready for it. Try that on. Let me know how it works. I'll see you in the next video.